When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. You're listening to the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. Johnny McGonigal is here for our weekly edition uh, of the show. This is Illinois week, Johnny, and the eighth straight year that Penn State will begin its Big Ten season on the road, which is a remarkable statistic. But it's also uh, a different level of intrigue now as, as Penn State goes on the road for the first time. They play a team that came to Beaver Stadium a couple years ago, and I think fans have uh, bitter memories, not so much of Illinois, and, the, and but it's just losing that game and the way it was lost. So this this is one of those games where uh, Penn State and some of the questions that we've had about the team we thought might be answered. But this is a uh, a dangerous Illinois team, is it not? I mean, it's if a best case scenario unfolds for them, they are a formidable opponent. Yeah, Dustin, you mentioned them going on the road uh, again to start Big Ten play. I believe it's the eighth consecutive year that they've done that, uh, the 13th time in the last 14 years. Uh, James Franklin was asked about that after practice on Wednesday night, and he joked saying that, hey, we're, we're experts at this at this point. We're going we're gonna to put on an off-season clinic about how to open uh, on the road in Big Ten play. Obviously, tongue-in-cheek there from, from James, something he's not particularly happy with. Uh, what he should be happy with, though, is how his team you know, has performed over the first two weeks of the season, how Drew Aller has looked as a first-time starter. Uh, you know, we've talked about the poise, the composure, obviously the lively arm, his ability to throw on the run, read, read, you know, read the defense. Uh, for the most part, it's been pretty good with protections and setting everything up there. Uh, but that's going to be tested uh, you know, in your first road start. Uh, you know, not only Drew, but that offensive line. Uh, how they get set up, how they how they configure everything, and make sure everyone's on the same page. Because you know this is a defensive line you don't want to be on the wrong page against. Uh, with Jerzon Newton, uh, who is a projected first round draft pick, a D tackle who you know has some flexibility on that D line, likes to pop out to end sometimes. And so yeah, it's going to be a challenge for Drew, challenge for the offensive line, uh, and it's going to be an opportunity I think for this defense. Uh, to create some big plays, uh, especially if Illinois is behind the sticks, you know, third and long, second and long. Are you uh, are you buying the possibility of a, a rapid turnaround in a one week span for the Illinois defense? It's it's a it's a group that was crazy good last year, surprisingly good last year. Their off their defensive coordinator goes to Purdue, takes the head job, so they got a new guy in there, new personnel too. So. Um, so there's that, but they've struggled in, in two weeks so far. And I don't know whether to assume that that continues or to assume that they start to make a big step in the right direction. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I don't think Penn State is going to have issues moving the ball unless you have, you know, a Newton sack or, you know, Randolph sack, you know, disrupt a drive and put you behind the sticks, uh, which definitely can happen. I mean, Newton last week had two sacks and uh, several quarterback pressures. He's the type of guy who, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how many snaps he ends up going up against Olu. Uh, at left tackle, if I'm Illinois' defensive coordinator, I'm probably focusing my efforts on the interior of Penn State's offensive line. Not that it's necessarily a weakness, but uh, that you know, JB Nelson right now isn't a top five projected first round draft pick. So, yeah, I think Illinois has the talent up front to disrupt you offensively. But I also I don't know what your pick was, Dustin. I haven't taken a look yet. Uh, but I actually, you know, we can maybe save that for the end or closer to the end, but I have Penn State actually scoring fewer points than Kansas did last week, and I and I don't think that's necessarily because Penn State isn't going to be able to move the ball. I think it's just the, the type of game that Penn State might want to play, you know, run the ball heavy, uh, grind this thing out, get out of there with, with a comfortable win. But, you know, I could certainly see them blowing this thing open, but at the same time, if you're James Franklin, get in there, get out of there healthy, uh, and and get on to Iowa. Uh, I think could be could be the mindset in terms of how they attack this Illinois defense, uh, especially in Drew's first road start. Well, in in the run game, I feel like they've they, they've done a pretty good job through two weeks of grinding it out, but there just haven't been big plays. Uh, Illinois, you know, on paper is a candidate to give up big plays, but what does Penn State got to get going to spring Nick Singleton? I mean, is that just in, in your viewpoint? Is that kind of like a matter of time thing? I do, yeah. It feels like Nick is due. Uh, I think his uh, his longest rush against West Virginia was 14 yards and maybe nine against Delaware. You know, it was more so the Catron Allen show against Delaware, but even still, for him, it was 19 carries for 103 yards, which is a really good output and something you want to see from Catron. But that's about what five yards a carry, and uh, he had a 17 yard run on a third and ten against Delaware, but I believe that was his long. Uh, in the game. And so, yeah, I think Nick and even Catron are due for a big run or two. Uh, But if those don't hit, uh, you know, you'll take five, six yards of carry, especially on the road in the big Ten. But yeah, it it does feel like that running game uh, is due, especially, you know, if you're able to, you know, keep, keep grinding away early and wearing that defense down that into the third and fourth quarter, when you have, you know, Nick and Catron maybe with 10 carries each or 12 carries each, they'll still be fresh. They'll still be ready to go. Uh, And so I I wouldn't be surprised if you see one of those two pop one uh, in the second half. So I'll just go. I I think we'll we'll move on to some other more hyper focused topics, but I'm going to I went with 34, 13. I went with exactly the number of points that Kansas scored, ironically. Uh, I like Penn State to cover. You know, this is another one of those things I asked you a couple weeks ago, how many if you had to list the 12 best athletes in the West Virginia game, wouldn't like 11 of them be on Penn State side? And it's not quite the same number in this one, but it's still pretty firmly in Penn State's favor. And they've been playing pretty mistake-free. Uh, you haven't seen a lot of, you know, there was a 66-yard run for the defense last week. You had Drew, you know, come up close to an interception in week one and, and missed the Kendra Lambert-Smith once. So there, it hasn't been perfect, but it's a clean playing team so far, and it's a really athletic and good team. I'm not that concerned about the road environment. Uh, I just think Penn State has such a huge edge in uh, in players, and they've been executing better than Illinois. 
Yeah, I would be more concerned about the 11 a.m. local kick than like the actual crowd atmosphere in terms of, you know, what might be imposing or what might you know, prove to be a hurdle uh, for this team. But yeah, I picked 28 to 10 uh, Penn State. I have them covering as well. Uh, yeah, Luke Altmyer, their you know, Illinois quarterback, might put a scare uh, in Penn State maybe in the first half. You know, he, he's a guy who can use his legs, had a 72 yard touchdown against Kansas last week. We saw that Penn State's defensive ends, uh, specifically in the defense as a whole, you know, being so aggressive and you know, uh, so disruptive, you know, disruption focused, uh, that they kind of got out of their, out of their, out of sync, uh, against West Virginia didn't really play. I mean, they played, they played well, but it just wasn't a game that was geared towards them creating big plays against Garrett green, who liked to use his legs and Altmeyer does the same. Uh, but I do think Penn state's defense comes up with a takeaway or two, uh, in the second half is able to build, you know, a, a two touchdown lead and one that they can kind of just sit on and ride out. Like I said, if Penn State goes out and puts up 40-plus points, would I be surprised? No, certainly not, especially watching Illinois' defense give up 34 to Kansas last week. But uh, to me, it just doesn't feel like that kind of game. You know, if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. Yeah, I feel like Penn State might not be tested or threatened all that much deep. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like, like when there's a running quarterback, there's an air of helplessness even though the defense is actually playing pretty well, keeping that in front of him a little bit, he's going to be able to move the chain. So I think you're going to have to absorb some of that. The chains are going to move a bit because when you have a guy who can make something happen when things break down or evade a sack or whatever, that stuff just happens. But ultimately, if they can't threaten Penn State down the field, they'll be able to snuff out some drives. And speaking of that dynamic, I, w- I wanted to get into Bo Bola here because we've seen in the first two weeks, uh, we've seen there's some electricity in, in his legs. And he looks like a, he's a pretty capable thrower uh, from the limited time we've, we've seen him so far. And James Franklin is really going out of his way to talk about how other defensive coordinators have to plan for him. And it's almost like it's like a mind warfare almost. Like, is he bluffing? Is he, is he put, making it so obvious that we think it's a bluff, but it's not really a bluff? I don't really know what to make of it. I think there's going to be some of that. But I think uh, Franklin is just making sure, in case it wasn't obvious yet, think about this guy. It's interesting that we haven't seen Bo be used as a, you know, a weird off, like an exotic package yet. You know, him come in and run a play or two, even, if, you know, in goal line or, or red zone situations. I think the reason for that is twofold. One, in Drew's first two starts of the season, you don't want to disrupt his rhythm. Uh, when he gets going and in, in, you know controlling the offense and managing everything to bring in Bo early might disrupt that. Uh, I think the other thing too is like you mentioned, Dustin, the just the threat of Bo coming in kind of unannounced, and you know the reason why they haven't maybe put that on film for defenses to study uh, is that they haven't really had to. You know, against West Virginia, they didn't have to. Against Delaware, they certainly didn't have to. And so why you know why put that on tape before you have to? Uh, why why do that? before you might need to. Um, will they need it this weekend? Maybe. Uh, I think it's more likely against Iowa that they would potentially need it, a better defense, a better, you know, a better you know, team overall. But I think that is coming. It's just a matter of when. And I think James Franklin is planting seeds about the film now. And I think it's kind of a win-win because I think Bo can be successful in these packages if, it, if he gets his number called. Like, to your point, the rhythm of Drew Aller, it's probably not worth disrupting. But 
So now you bring him in and you use him exactly how teams think you're going to use him. And I think you can still win matchups that way. Uh, but then also, I think you set up the film for teams to overcommit and you can set up some wrinkles then too. So it's almost like a setup to the setup to maybe the setup like against Ohio State or against Michigan. If they if they need a big player, a spark, they can set up something later. So that will be fascinating to follow. And there's a lot of incentive to use your backup quarterback uh, to keep him engaged and keep him interested and, and make Bo feel excited about his role with the program until Drew ultimately leaves probably next after next year. This is the Blue White Breakdown. I wanted to touch on real quick Brett Bielema's comment about Penn State. And to me, there were two options. I'll read the, I'll read the comment quick. This is part of a, a bigger comment, so I'm just kind of cherry-picking the one sentence. But he said they do a tremendous job in recruiting, and they're allowed to do things there at Penn State that allow them to get a lot of skill players in the program. And I read that as, you know, A, you can read it as an insult to, or, or an insinuation, I guess, against Penn State. Or I think you can read it as Brett Bielema maybe not being happy with his own uh, name, image, likeness situation, or whatever the case might be at Illinois, and he's pulling a James Franklin, and he's sending a message to his AD through this platform, saying, look what they're doing, and look what they're how they're reaping the benefits. How do you read or, or listen to what Brett said? I, I would lean the latter. It, it's it's funny if if that's the case, because you know Brett would be taking one out of James's playbook, you know, in terms of uh, using a press conference to subtly or not so subtly say that, you know, you need more support, whether that's from an NIL standpoint or not. Um, that's kind of how I, I read it. You know, now if he's taking a shot at, at Penn State, then then OK, fair enough. Maybe that deserves a, a follow up from the Illinois beat. We'll see if uh, anything more maybe comes of that, maybe post game. But that, that's how I read it was was the was the latter. And there's no denying that, you know, Penn State has a lot of good skill players uh, on this team. You know, we talked about Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, Keandre Lambert-Smith has really stepped up through two games. Theo Johnson really has been, you know, at least from a passing perspective, he's done well blocking, but, you know, passing perspective has been somewhat of a ghost and maybe a, an, an un, un, untapped, you know, playmaker so far, keeping it wide receiver. You have Harrison Wallace, et cetera. Like the names go down the list. And, uh, you know, Isaiah Williams is a good one for Illinois but if you look at the talent in terms of the skill players on this, you know, comparing the two teams, I think that might be the, where the biggest difference uh, lies. Hey, maybe it was just Brett giving Penn State a backhanded compliment or whatever. But I, I kind of lean towards, hey, Illinois, let's uh, let, let's get our stuff together a little bit better, and, and maybe we can get some of the talent that you know the Penn States of the world have. It's funny though because since 2014 there really hasn't been much of a disruption in the flow of playmakers to Penn State. And then we're talking about, obviously, well before name, image, likeness, well before any of that stuff. So whatever. And it would be a rare kind of or, or a unique change, Penn State, really up until, what, maybe four or five months ago, kind of complaining about James Franklin airing it out when it came to how far behind he thought they were in name, image, likeness, not to now if they are, if, if another program is envying them, that would be an interesting change. Uh, going forward, but they've gotten skill players. I mean, I think James Franklin has had, it's one of his bread and butter things. They've recruited, signed, uh, developed skill players. One player who is maybe one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting yellow light on the, on the James Franklin traffic signal 
Uh, it's starting to get a little bit lime green, don't you think, with Jameel Lyons, the defensive end from Philadelphia. I know you went back to you know his past a little bit and, and talked to people there for a story you're running on Penn Live, but he looks like kind of the real deal. And he looked like really from the beginning, um, you know, going back to his senior junior years uh, in high school, that he belonged at the college level. He just looked like a collegiate defensive end. And now, you know, you're hearing more about the excitement going on uh, behind Jamil Lyons and the possibility, which I think is getting pretty strong, uh, that, that you see him more than four games this year. Yeah, absolutely. You, you talk about that green light, yellow light situation. There are there are four players right now that are in that firm green light territory. We've talked about them. Tony Rojas, Zion Tracy, Elliot Washington, uh, and King Mack. But if there's a fifth guy, you know, pushing for that, it is Jamil Lyons at this point. He's played in both games uh, to start this season. He played one snap against West Virginia. Uh, and then you know had a big sack and played, I think, 14, 15 snaps against Delaware. Uh, I talked to his high school coach. Uh, he comes from Roman Catholic out of Philadelphia. And you know his coach was actually at the West Virginia game and saw that Jamil played one snap and thought the same thing that I was thinking in the press box was, okay, this is an early indicator. If you're burning a game you know, on one snap on this guy, then, then he's in your plans. And uh, that was confirmed uh, to the coach I talked to, Rick. Uh, I don't want to pronounce his name. Last name, I think it's Prate or Pret, but you know he told me that you know he's he's talked to James Franklin, he's talked to Terry Smith, who was a you know an area recruiter in Philly, uh, and everything that has come out of the program from the coaches is that he he is the real deal, that he's performing so well. Uh, you know he was a June enrollee, so he's only been on campus a few months now, but uh, the coaching staff is really impressed uh, with what he has done so far and what he is going to provide this program. Uh, in the future, uh, an, an interesting wrinkle uh, and and something that I knew and like people who cover the program probably know, and obviously people in the program know, but fans might know not know that Jamail was a, a safety before he transferred uh, to Roman, you know, ahead of his junior season, and you saw that closing speed on that sack, Dustin, where he drops back, he's defensive end, he drops back into a zone coverage. And then reads it perfectly, realizes that there's no one coming in the flat ahead of him that he has to keep an eye on. Quarterback rolls out and in a split second just closes like that. And, and I'm, I felt sorry for the Delaware quarterback. I really did. No win situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he's got that athleticism you want. He's still a true freshman, so he's still growing. He's still learning. Uh, but he's showing the signs that you want to see. Uh, and Penn State has had success in developing, you know, Philly defensive ends. Sharif Miller, Shaka Tony. Uh, it seems like Jamil Lyons uh, and obviously Deion Barnes, uh, you know, def- his defensive line coach now. Uh, it, it seems like Jamil is making the strides that Penn State wants to see him make. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know he ends up burning that red shirt this year and continues to grow within his role. Yeah, and you, you think about Penn State's defensive ends and you label it right away as strength, but you're not talking about strength in numbers necessarily, especially when you have Smith, Smith Vilbert out for the year. I mean, Vanover missing the first two games. Uh, I think they kind of needed more than a lot of us thought uh, uh, somebody else to emerge as an option. And that's been Jimmy Lyons so far. So we'll keep an eye on that. Two games, as you said, played one snap in week one. That means they're not really valuing necessarily uh, that that one game out of four. So that, that is a good indicator. Uh, I want to just touch on uh, a couple things quick. Uh, one more on the, on the t- 2023 team, then uh, recruiting. Olufashanu, the snap management program they're on with him, 
Uh, it'll be interesting this week as, as things start to ramp up a little bit. But, you know, in some sense, it's good for the program to get more guys involved. It's one of the reasons why the Penn State's offensive line was in such good shape this year because they had some co-starter type situations and, and had multiple guys getting significant reps. Now it looks like they're going to have the same thing going uh, for as long as they're managing Olu's snaps, which, you know, if he's a little dinged up, it protects him. You know, obviously he's got a big, bright future in the league and nobody wants to jeopardize that. It also has has some benefits for, for Penn State, but what do you expect from this snap share going forward? Do you expect that snap count to rise as he gets healthy and the games start to have more significance? Yeah, I think this is something that we kind of saw coming uh, going back to August, uh, that open practice that Penn State had that fans were able to come to and everything. You know, those fans noticed that Olu wasn't taking a lot of snaps, and that was by design. And him playing only 32 snaps against Delaware, which was the eighth most amongst Penn State offensive linemen, that was by design, right? Like, get him in, get him out. You know, he's he's getting the amount of reps to, to keep him sharp, to keep him fresh. But at the same time, you you don't want to injure a player who, like I mentioned already, like we've talked about, you know, for so long is a, is a first round guy is a top 10 uh, potential pick, if not higher. You know, I just go back to what James said in August saying that Olu is handling everything, you know, the right way that he's, it's not a, it's not a cause for concern. He's not a guy that if you're not playing him every rep or, you know, if, if you're allowing him time off in practice, he's not a guy who's just going to like sit back and chill and not do anything. Like, he wants to be out there. He's preparing the right way day in, day out. I mean, he, ch- he chose this over the NFL, you know, like that, that should show exactly where his head's at. I- exactly. He's, he always, he has a good head on his shoulders and he came back for a reason. Like he came back to help this team get to the playoff, get to a big 10 championship, you know, achieve all those team goals and obviously secure his stock, but his stock was already high if he wanted to leave for the 23. NFL draft. So I really don't think there's a cause for concern here. I know that some fans, you know, when he went out early in the Delaware game, there was some, some worry like, Oh, is he injured or whatever? People are keeping tabs on him on the sideline. It's, it's all by design. And I wouldn't expect him to only play 32 snaps against, you know, Illinois or Iowa. This was a Delaware situation. And, you know, looking ahead to the UMass game, expect the same there, I think. Uh, And we'll stick with the offensive line for the final topic of the day, which is uh, Jalen Matthews, the 2025 offensive tackle from uh, New Jersey, four star top 100 type guy, the highest rated player. I think Penn State had three commits going in, two commits coming out after he decommits. But uh, I guess this was in the works for a while. So it wasn't a, a big surprise to people who follow the recruiting scene closely. It's always a threat, I think, whenever you know, the big boys from the South get involved and the offer sheet grows and the intrigue grows and the idea of going down to play in, in that Southern footprint is intriguing. And also, you know, Penn state that happens a lot in New Jersey, doesn't it? But it looks like from what I can gather, he doesn't look like a recommit type candidate here. Probably not, but you know, you never know. It's, it's tough with the guys who commit so early, you know, sometimes the, the first player to commit, in a class is the first to leave a class, uh, especially he committed back in what January. Right. Um, so yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. January 30th. So, you know, when, when you, when you end up, when that offer sheet grows, when you get interest in an offer from Georgia, Miami, Tennessee, Texas A&M, uh, Ohio state's in on him too. 
it's tough, you know, it, it, and, and so obviously Penn State is still going to recruit him. They're still going to try and get him back into the fold. We'll see if that happens or not. It's too early to tell. He, he you know, it seems like he wants a full fall uh, to go take his visits and and go check out other schools. And we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, like you mentioned, this this kind of felt like it was coming for a while. Uh, and and it was just a matter of when it was going to happen. And so now we'll see what his next steps are. We'll see what Penn State's next steps are, too, in the 25 class, because they've got two commits now, Amari Gaines, a, a DB from New Jersey, and Keand- Keandre Barker, running back, four-star running back from Texas. Penn State has had a lot of you know recruits on hand already, especially for that West Virginia game uh, at Beaver Stadium. Uh, they're still building out the 2024 class, a big focus as well on the 2025 and 2026, cl- 2026 classes. Uh, so I would expect that they'll get still a handful of linemen in, in that class and that cycle. No need to worry uh, right now, Penn State fans. I think 2025 will be an interesting time to watch if there are any tangible differences uh, in recruiting that come from having a franchise quarterback. If things keep going the way that they're going, uh, I think you'll start to feel that a bit, especially if Penn State goes on and does something big in the playoffs or national championship game or whatever. You could see an elevation in recruiting. Not that they've done a bad job on that front. So we'll see Penn state, Illinois on the road on Fox uh, Saturday, noon Eastern time kickoff. Penn state looking to go three and Oh, they're about 14 and a half, 15 point favorites in that one. So Johnny, I do think you and I both predicted it. We'll be back here next week talking about uh, a three and O Penn state team going into uh, another matchup here coming soon. So that's it for this edition of the blue white breakdown. That's Johnny McGonagall. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith. Be sure to check us out. PennLive.com slash Penn state football. And download the Blue White Breakdown anywhere you can get your podcasts. We'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.